Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fire Away, the podcast dedicated to sports here at St. George's School and in the wider world beyond campus. I'm your host, Devin McGrath-Conwell. Today, I'm joined by Henry Savage of the class of 2017. He stopped by to talk about lacrosse, finding a family through football at SG, and we even got to commiserate about how hard it is to leave the coast when you're used to living by it. Without any further ado, here's Henry. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm here with Henry Savage, class of 2017 from St. George's. Really excited to have him on the show. Henry, thank you for coming on. Yeah, Devin, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on today. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, So, Henry, where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from my home in Marblehead, Massachusetts, where uh, I've been for the past uh, month and a half now due to the old corona situation. Yes. Yeah. 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 I I feel like I have reached the point where I had a running tally of like, okay, this is week two. This is week three. And there was a Mm -hmm. point when I was like, I don't know. We're just, we're in the twilight zone. (laughs) Yeah. It's just been all blending into one another now, you know, each day into the next. But, uh, you know, I've I've been lucky. I have my my lacrosse team up at Bowdoin, which has been, uh, we've been doing some stuff together, like um, this whole running challenge that we had going that uh, it's actually helped me like keep each day um, separate from the last, like you mm. can kind of track where you, where you've been doing based on that. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's been nice. <laughs> well, good. Well, I'm excited to just kind of talk about your time at St. George's and beyond and all of that. But before we get into St. George's, I'd love to hear just a little bit about you growing up and kind of who you were before St. George's. So are you, did you grow up in Marblehead where you are now or? Yeah. Yeah. So I have, grown up in Marblehead my entire life. Um, I attended school here for my entire life before St. George's. Um, I went to a school called Tower School um, from kindergarten to eighth grade. That's a um, long time in the same spot. It was. Yeah, it was. Um, so Saint, <laughs> yeah, going to St. George's is definitely a nice uh, change of pace. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I loved Marblehead um, when I was growing up. I had a lot of good friends here that made it an enjoyable experience. Um, and, you know, I got to, like, play sports with them, hang out. There's, it's a lot of fun in the summer, especially mm-hmm. uh, up in this area. I'm sure you, you know in Rhode Island. It's yes. nice, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so growing up, are you an only child? Do you have siblings? Oh, yeah. So I have three siblings, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an older sister, Maggie, who recently graduated from Bowdoin. She went to Deerfield for high school. Then um, myself, I'm the second oldest. And then I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Um, my younger brother, Will, is currently a senior at Deerfield. And then my younger sister, Elizabeth, is uh, a freshman at St. George's. So, yeah. <laughs> Keeping it in the family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was hoping. I was like, you know, I really wanted her to go because I had such a great experience. So I'm glad she chose it. But, you know, she's making her own path there. She's loving it so far. Yeah. So- you mentioned that you're playing a lot of sports with friends growing up. What... What was kind of your path discovering sports as something that you loved? Yeah, so for like any kid growing up, you know, you're exposed to a, hopefully a large amount of sports. Um, so, you know, I kind of tried my, my hand at a lot of different ones. But starting in first grade, um, the one that really stuck with me was lacrosse. Um, and so ever since then, you know, I've been playing lacrosse. Um, also growing up, I was really into swimming. Um, but that was a that was more hit and miss for me. Like there was some years I was really bought into it. Then I took a year off here and there. And that really didn't, you know, set in um, until I was about 13 years old that I really took that sport up. 
but also with football, um, I started in third grade and, you know, I played up until I was in seventh grade, but then I decided to focus more on lacrosse and swimming. So there was no, like, it's kind of hard to say I had a real clear path mm -hmm. with one sport. You know, I was kind of moving around a lot, but, uh, if there was one constant throughout, it'd probably be, uh, that lacrosse path. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up, I played town lacrosse. There's another team called town select all from Marblehead. But then beyond that, I also, um, was on a club team for, uh, a few years before high school, um, starting in seventh grade called 3d. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster up and down, um, for my sports career, yeah. especially when I was younger. How does lacrosse fall into your life? Cause I think especially for me going through high school when I was going through lacrosse was just becoming a sport that people really looked to. I don't know. It, yeah. I feel like it hit the popular consciousness around this time. So was it, was it you had family that did it or was it just serendipitous? I would say, again, it's kind of a combination of a lot of things. Um, my dad, when he was younger, he actually is from Yarmouth, Maine. Funny enough, you mentioned hey. you're from Maine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was really big into um, cross country, hockey, and also tried his hand at lacrosse. Um, and so while I decided to go more of the swimming route rather than the hockey route, I still wanted to, you know, try a sport that my dad had when I was very young. Um, and so, you know, lacrosse was that fit. And it just was kind of something that I, I didn't feel too much pressure just to excel at when I was younger. It was just something that I could go out there and really enjoy. It wasn't like I was going out and there's this big stress. It was just kind of going out, having fun. A lot of my friends played it. And so that's kind of where the love for that game came from, mm -hmm. just going out, having fun, um, playing a sport that we all enjoyed. It's a great way to discover it. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Similarly, I, I played soccer. And because um, I played baseball for a long time, but I was never very good at it <laughs> as, a, as a recent podcast. I, I wasn't either. That was also part of my, my transition in lacrosse. I was not a great yeah. baseball player. <laughs> I played for so long and I was a good pitcher, but I was just I was bad. I was just bad at everything else. And yeah. I really tried. Um, but soccer kind of came about and um, I remember that was just like soccer wasn't a big sport for mm -hmm. American teens growing up and then just had a friend yeah. and was like, come on, you should do this. And then I just joined this great group of people on a travel team and then played in high school till I had an injury. And it was just this like, wow, this is a this is a crew of fun guys who just love the sport, but also just like being around each other. And I feel like that was that's exactly. the, the dream you get growing up with yeah. sports. <laughs> you get to learn how to be mm -hmm. with people. So that's that's how you get lacrosse. And you're growing up in Marblehead. And then how does St. George's enter the picture? My path to not just St. George's, but to boarding schools really started when I was young. Um, my mom actually attended Tabor mm -hmm. um, for high school. So, you know, the boarding school uh, world had been exposed to my family for a while. And I remember I went to a reunion with my mom when I, I must have been six or seven years old. I just kind of fell in love with it, fell in love with the school and just the whole lifestyle that kind of went with it, just living with your friends when you're, you know, 14 years old, mm -hmm. like just, you know, an independent, interesting lifestyle, um, I would say. And so that kind of pushed me as I was, you know, starting to look at high schools to want to go into the boring school world. Obviously, I ended up at St. George's. Yeah. I didn't choose Tabor <laughs> like my mom. But that that whole process 
you know, I had to take into account a lot of things. I definitely wanted to continue my athletic career. Um, and I knew I wanted to play lacrosse definitely in high school. I wanted to try my hand probably at football because um, obviously I didn't play my eighth grade year, but I also really wanted to swim. And so those St. George's offered those th three things. But I also, you know, I grew up in Marblehead, so I wanted a school that was closer to the coast, loved the water and mm -hmm. loved sailing and things like that. Um, and then finally, I also wanted an academic challenge. And so, you know, St. George's kind of fit the bill on yeah. all of those. And it made my decision, I remember, pretty, pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I decided to go there and just had a, a great experience. Yeah. I feel like you can't oversell how great it is to be by the ocean when you're used to being by the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so I went to Middlebury in Vermont, and it's it's in the middle of the state. And after mm -hmm. I grew up in Saco, Maine, which is 15 minutes from the ocean. I worked at hotels in the summer. I was right on the beach. Like, it was such a big part of my life. I chose this landlocked college, and I'm really glad I went. But I remember, like, second week on campus, I was complaining about not being by the ocean. Like that annoying coastal kid that you meet when you're <laughs> at college. And one of my friends is like, oh, there's a lake down the road. And I just had to look at them and be like, you don't, you don't get it. Yeah, it's, not, it's not the same. It's not the ocean. <laughs> so, and then coming here, because this is my first year at St. George's, um, being back by the ocean is just, I get it. I understand yeah, it's myself wonderful. better. Yeah. I remember my junior year, uh, I was a Wheeler prefect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had the privilege of waking up every morning. And I had a single in the top right of the dorm. And my window was facing directly on the second beach. Oh and it was just, God. I don't think I'm ever going to get a better view right? waking up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I miss it. <laughs> yeah. It's Tabor is the first taste of mm -hmm. it. So just kind of working up to picking boarding school, what about Tabor? Just I think whether it's specifically the school or just generally, because you're a kid and you're at this reunion and I think that's a really yeah. impressionable age. What jumped out to you as, oh, the boarding school world seems interesting? First off, like I said, the location, just mm -hmm. amazing, you know, getting to go to a, a high school that's not in your immediate area, something you're not used to. Yeah. It's a really, you know, life-changing experience. Second was, I just noticed some of the really cool opportunities that boarding schools can provide. There was a marine science center that Tabor had, I remember. I got, we got like special permission for me to go in and kind of like look around. Yeah. And so that was, I was just like, I would never get exposed to that at a regular high school. And so that kind of jumped out to me as like something like, wow, if I want to be able to like take advantage of these opportunities, I got to go to a place like mm -hmm. this. That all seems very fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the private tour of the Marine Center. That's a, that's yeah. a lockdown moment if there ever yeah. is one. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, beyond that too, you know, the people I met, if I can, I mean, it was a long time ago, but I mm -hmm. just remember everyone's very friendly. Like, you know, it wasn't like there was you know, this distaste from me being there or anything. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, like, yeah, I knew your mom. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was great to, you know, like, get to see the next generation. So, uh -huh. yeah, well, everyone's really friendly and great. Yeah. yeah. So you have the impression you know that you want the academics and the sports and the location. So were you really focused in on St. George's as the one or were there others that were kind of in contention? That's actually, it's, it's an interesting story. Um, Good. My sister obviously <laughs> decided, yeah, <laughs> it's, it would never be, it would not be fun if it wasn't interesting, right? <laughs> it actually started, um, my search really began by looking at Deerfield. 
Um, and that's because my older sister went there. So she had a much more open experience, I think, than my myself and my other two siblings, mm-hmm. um, because she was obviously the first one going yeah. into it. A lot of, you know, a lot of exposure to different schools. I was totally set on Deerfield at one point. And I actually think it's the best thing ever to happen in my life that I got waitlisted there. The reason for that was I got waitlisted because of like my my size when I was at that age. Mm. I wasn't uh, very tall or very like, you know, strong or anything like that. I was still, you know, young. And so they waitlisted me and said, hey, you could go do a repeat year somewhere else and come back in as a freshman the next year. I, I wasn't too happy about it. Yeah. You know, that that made me reevaluate what I really wanted in a high school, in an, especially in a boarding school. And so therefore, uh, it kind of came down to two choices between St. George's and Westminster. Because of all the things I mentioned, it just, you know, St. George's ended up being the one that just felt more right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at, at first, it, it obviously, like, St. George's didn't stick out to me as, you know, the number one place I wanted to go to, but I just attribute that to the fact that I was kind of narrow sighted due to my sister. Yeah. Um, and just seeing her experience and I was like, Oh, that'd be so cool to go do. Like I can be exactly like her and realize that, you know, getting waitlisted just made me have to really look inward and see what I wanted and had to make my own path. So it's, I'm forever grateful that the admissions office there waitlisted me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I find those moments and I think everyone has those moments. In, like in yep. some way, it might not be this early on. It might be later, but you have those moments where you realize you feel so let down <laughs> in such an immediate yeah. moment. Um, and, you know, as an English teacher, I love thinking about stories and these defining mm-hmm. plot, mo- pl- plot moments. It's so great that you can now reflect on it as being such an important thing. Uh, yeah. I think we so often, especially when we talk about sports, because, you know, this is our overarching yep. thing, but it's generally you think, oh, you have to win. It has to be the success. And mm-hmm. sometimes the most important thing to do is, quote, unquote, lose, even though I wouldn't call getting waitlisted losing, but it has that. Yeah. You get that edge to it. Then you ended up here, which is great. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what was the – so obviously being at the Tower School, you were used to being in, I'm assuming, a slightly smaller community for yes. a long time coming to a boarding high school has to be a bit of a transition regardless. Mm-hmm. So what was that transition into SG like? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to preface this by saying everyone's transition looks different. Mm-hmm. You know, I had friends that it was very difficult for friends that it was very easy for, and I fell more on the easier side um, just based on who I was as a person. You know, I was just an independent person from a young age. Um, and so I felt very comfortable just going out and being on my own to the point where there's a very funny story from an interaction between Mrs. Peterson mm-hmm. um, and my mom uh, back when on drop-off day my freshman year. Um, we had just gone down for a football preseason and we were sitting down eating um, lunch, I believe, in King Hall. And I just like got up and I was like, all right, guys, bye. And I just walked out. <laughs> and Mrs. Peterson came over to my mom and was like, that was the saddest goodbye I've ever seen. And my mom was like, yep, that's just him. So, um, you know, I was really excited. I would say it would also be like the, the overall feeling I had. I was just really excited to meet new people um, and start this new experience. Like I had been looking forward to it for so long. So I was like, no more waiting. Let's go. Like yeah. I want to be on my own and do this. Like, so 
yeah, I would I would say I had an easier transition. I would I, I did not go to boarding school, and so the the college transition was was a tough moment. Yeah, <laughs> I can reflect on it now, but I'm glad that you had an easier time. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so once you arrive, transition feels pretty easy. Mm-hmm. So football, football is the first sport you're doing here. Mm-hmm. What was, because you? I know you said to me um, off mic that you had taken some time off from football and SG was kind of this, I want to come back and try the sport again. So what was your... What was your motivation to come back to it? Well, you know, I had experience within the past and, you know, I thought I definitely wasn't something I didn't go at soccer. I had no foot eye <laughs> coordination whatsoever. So that was kind of out of the picture. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll, you know, I'll try football again. Um, and when I was younger, I had been a lineman. So, you know, I definitely had changed athletically from seventh grade to my freshman year. And so, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll go out and try to be a skill player on the team. You know, didn't really expect much. Um, but Coach Mackey, um, he made it clear that no matter who you were coming onto the team, that you can have an impact. Um, and so, you know, first day, that was really nice hearing um, from him. And it made me feel comfortable on the team. Um, and just to go out and enjoy it. Like the first year, I wasn't really contributing that much. I wasn't really playing. I was more just a learning and growing year. Um, but I still felt like I was a part of the team. You know, I still got in on special teams. Like we made sure that, um, you know, guys were getting in there feeling like they're contributing, um, which was nice. And yeah, I would just say going back, like football just was somewhat familiar to me. So that kind of what drove me towards wanting to do it again. Um, and just St. George's obviously new start kind of allowed me to fill into a role that I hadn't previously had on my past football teams. Mm-hmm. What was the social aspect of coming in right to the football team like? Because I, I know that, you know, teams can be so important for kind of establishing your social circle, especially at a school mm-hmm. where your schedule is so strict. There's so much yeah. happening. Did you find that football gave you a really strong foothold into a social group? Yeah, I'd say it definitely did. You know, it kind of introduced me to a family um, immediately when I got to St. George's, which was, you know, super nice. Um, You know, like I spoke already that it was kind of an easier transition Mm -hmm. for me, but you're still nervous. Like no matter who you are, you're going to be nervous going into the situation and you want to make friends and you want to, you know, feel like you have people to rely on immediately. And football really gave me that. Um, Some of my best friends still today, I met that first day mm-hmm. at football. Yeah, it, it was just a really family feeling coming in, I guess would be the best way to describe it. And just, you felt like you were part of something, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. In conjunction to football, because obviously there's so much new that you are mm-hmm. discovering in your first trimester at a new school. Were there other aspects outside of sports and football that you really latched onto in your freshman year? And obviously putting aside, we'll talk about swimming and lacrosse in their own kind of bubbles. But other stuff, were there avenues you went down once you landed? Yeah. So um, something, you know, from the first week, I'd say I was at St. George's that stuck out to me as something I wanted to do was be a prefect in a Mm -hmm. dorm. Um, And there was one of my prefects, I remember Jay Wu Kang, uh, who was just this awesome guy and 
he was more of like an older brother to uh-huh. me rather than you know just like this authoritative figure and the relationship we established was just something i knew i wanted to do in the future but in the reverse role like i wanted to be that like older brother kind mm-hmm. of figure um for these guys and help um new kids coming into saint george's to get on a good path um no matter what that would be and so i really latched onto that um also besides sports when i first got there and you know i tried to learn what it meant to be a good prefect throughout my years like talking to guys not only in the freshman dorm um, but also when i was a sophomore in diamond um talking to them about like what a good prefect should look like um and then i think i applied that when i was a junior and senior as a prefect um in wheeler and in arden so yeah that was that was a really nice thing to look at and say yeah i don't have to just be an athlete i can also make an impact on people's lives yeah um through this kind of community do you find kind of tangentially off of that um do you find as you've talked to and gotten to know i assume people of Bowdoin where you are now that weren't boarding school students because i know for me having not gone to a boarding school hearing about boarding school and that live-in culture of you're with people all the time yeah um do you find that there is a different approach to the kind of college small community that seems to run through people who understand the boarding school background? Like, did, maybe putting it a better way, because I think that's a really convoluted question that I just tried to ask. Yeah, no, yeah. Do you look, did you look at the college transition differently because of the boarding experience? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think if you ask anyone that was went from a boarding school to a college versus mm-hmm. not going to a boarding school and then college, um, the transition is just so much different. There's a lot more independent growth, I think, that happens when you're at boarding school. Um, you go through having to do anything from you know your own laundry to having to manage your time um, more efficiently, I'd say, because um, you just have so much more going on throughout the day that going into college, you kind of have those skills already built in. Um, whereas someone coming from a non-boarding school background doesn't necessarily have those. So for me, I remember it was pretty easy, like after first day of classes for me to be like, all right, yep, right after dinner, got to go to the library, and mm-hmm. get my work done for the day. When other people are like, ah, I can push it off. Like we got all this free time, all this freedom now. Like, um, So it really helped me um, you know, into college, like all the skills I had learned, just transition those over. Um, and also something about like the prefect, um, mindset that moving over, like there's, there's something about understanding the people you're living with when you Mm -hmm. get to college that you can better help them. Like I felt my past experience as a prefect allowed me to be another outlet for people on my hall. Um, that maybe were struggling or, you know, just felt uncomfortable with their situation um, rather than, yeah, ra- rather than just having to go to your RA because mm-hmm. there is still that big age gap. You know, my RA, my freshman year at Bowdoin was a senior. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that, especially someone coming from a non-boarding school background, that can be a little intimidating. Um, so I found that my skills that I had learned as a prefect really helped other students on my hall um, feel more comfortable in their 
especially first semester at Bodum. And so you felt a draw to that kind of role immediately upon getting to SG? Yes, I, I would say I did. Why do you think that is? Just deep questions here for your, your afternoon. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, I just have seen, the, I'd say it really came from that first week. Um, and the people that were my prefects, I saw already how they were going to impact our lives. Um, and, you know, they were a really big part in setting people on the right path mm-hmm. um, on, for who they were going to become. And so I just felt a real sense that I owed that to the people that were coming in after me to help them get on this path, not necessarily the singular path that I was following, but on this, you know, independent, um, responsible, like, yeah, I don't know the best word to describe it here as, but almost just adult like path, Mm -hmm. being able to help those kids get into that mindset. Um, I felt like I owed that to them because, you know, the people above me had done that for me. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Football ends, swimming kicks in. Mm -hmm. So swimming is something you had, as opposed to football, where you kind of gone away and come back. Swimming was, if I'm remembering this correctly, that had been consistent. Uh, Except for one or two years when I was like 11 and yeah, I think just 11 yeah. and like nine. But uh-huh. yeah, pretty much, you know, starting when I was 12, it was consistent. Uh-huh. Well, we'll, uh, we'll forgive you for those those two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what was swimming like here in compare? And, you know, we can go beyond just the freshman year of it all. What was swimming like in compared to what you had been doing? Yeah. Um, it was entirely different. I'll start with us saying and entirely different in all the right ways. Mm. I actually came into St. George's and I remember having a conversation with my parents that was, I will try swimming for a year, but I'm probably going to quit after my freshman year. Um, and that had been a product of the swimming environment I had grown up in. So when you're, when you're going through middle school, you know, you're really on a club team. Um, there's no like, there was no tower school swim team, for example, there was no Marblehead swim team. It was the North shore. Um, the North shore Y was my, my club team that I swam on. And it was just really uh, unenjoyable. I'd say Mm -hmm. it was really stress, a lot of pressure on individuals. Um, and so it was just not an environment that I enjoyed much. It was really individually driven. You did not feel like you were, you had this team component. Um, and so I just assumed every swim team was like that. And then getting to St. George's, that was just not the case at all. Um, Carrie Cunningham was my swim coach Mm -hmm. and she just, it was just the best team that she ran. Um, and like she completely changed my opinion on how I viewed swimming. Like it went from this thing that I dreaded to by the time I was a senior that I was just so upset for having to leave behind Mm. um and you know the team dynamic that we had was not as much individually based as it has been as it had been um previously for me it was much more like we're going as a team to try and win um like the isls or um the nefsec so it was way more team driven which took 
pressure off the individuals, even though it's still, you know, swimming is a very individual sport. Yeah. But I think she did a great job in making us feel like we were one unit, one team, um, and that we were all in it together. And just because, you know, you didn't have a great race one day doesn't mean that that's the end of the world. Like, mm-hmm. we got other people that can step up to try and help us win points. And then also, like, we're going to get back in the pool the next day to try and figure out how we can get better. Um, and it was a never a negative attitude on the team. It was always positive. How can you know we improve in a positive way, rather than just dwelling on the past mistakes? So, I owe it to carry a lot for some personal growth um, and focusing, you know, more on being positive in sports mm-hmm. um, than I had been before. I I'm curious too with the swimming because I feel like um, we're not that far apart in age. And I remember growing up and thinking how it was in this golden age of Olympic US swimming. Was Mm -hmm. that, were there people that were big impacts on you that you were watching as you were swimming? Um, Yeah, yes and no. Um, I wasn't too concerned with the world outside of St. George's swimming, Mm -hmm. like in in the greater swimming world. I did meet Ryan Lochte when I was in seventh grade. So, Very you know, cool. if I, like that was cool, but, um, and I saw him do like a 50 completely underwater and I was like, that was pretty cool. I hope I can do that one day. <laughs> um, but you know, besides that, no, it was, if I had someone that drove me and inspired me, um, when I was swimming at St. George's, it was my teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a great group of, other students in my class and then also above and below um, that really motivated me to try my best and, you know, go out there and put my all into it and want to get better. Um, so, yeah, there wasn't really like a, you know, this national figure that I was focused on. It was more like just wanting to work for my teammates yeah. um, and get better as a whole and compete against each other. Yeah. And I can yeah. imagine that sounds like it's directly tied to the way that Carrie structured the team that was yeah. so focused on this kind of ethos you're talking about. Because it is, I think, swimming, track, kind of sports along those lines, it is so individualized unless you're in a relay or a similar event that to to really hammer home, yeah, you have your own events, but we're together. That just yeah. shifts how you're yeah. going to do everything. Yeah, there was um, one other guy in my class, Burke Terrell, who him and I from day one, freshman year, um, you know, we're competing against each other. And I think Carrie did it in a very good way, um, a very supportive way that we weren't viewing each other as adversaries, mm-hmm. but we were viewing each other as teammates and wanting to make each other better. So every day when he went into practice, it was like, all right, how is he going to challenge me more to be the best swimmer that I can be? Rather than, oh, he's just trying to get ahead of me. Yeah. to make me look bad. It was how can we both build each other up together and build a team mm-hmm. rather than just this individual um, try and get ahead of each other. Yeah. Yeah. So football has a huge space in terms of giving you the family unit coming in. It seems like swimming just helps you rediscover this passion that is so important for, I mean, across the board, but to have it tied to that is powerful. And then we hit the spring and you hit lacrosse. And the way I understand it, lacrosse is the true love through all of this. So mm-hmm. what was landing into St. George's lacrosse like? 
it was it was a rough landing. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, um, we get to some yeah. <laughs> adversary. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, it was you know, I haven't talked about it overly, but I was still very young mm-hmm. when I was at St. George's um, and physically small, and so a big part of the reason I going circling back to the whole admissions process and getting waitlisted at Deerfield, um, you know, my goal there was to go be on the varsity lacrosse team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I met with the coach and he was like, you know, you, you know, maybe junior year you could make the varsity team and, you know, maybe senior year you could see some, mm-hmm. some field time. So that was kind of, you know, disappointing uh, to say the least. Um, but then coming to St. George's, you know, I knew it was a smaller school. And so I knew I had, possibly a better opportunity to contribute but still my freshman year you know it was it was tough we had a, a lot of good players um and i ended up being a second string lsm on the varsity team i did make varsity which was like you know that was my goal yeah. i was like that's if i hit that that's awesome yeah um, and so you know it was it was definitely a rougher transition into that sport and then i'd say it wasn't until sophomore year where I finally felt like I was making a real impact on that team. Um, and I owe it to my coach, Jake Westerman, mm. for a lot, giving me an opportunity to do that. Um, you know, he saw the, the potential um, that not many other coaches saw in me. Um, and then, you know, that might have been the fact that I also grew like four inches between yeah. my freshman <laughs> and sophomore year. Um, but, you know, he gave me an opportunity to start at close defense. Um, and that's when, you know, my whole college recruiting process and everything started taking off because Mm -hmm. I really started getting some experience um, rather than just being a preliminary bench player. Um, And so I owe it to that, to forwarding my entire lacrosse career to where I am now. Yeah. So that's a perfect transition into where you are now and how we got there. So um, I will say learning about, in a couple of conversations I've had before this, right, I knew very little about the college recruitment process, just because it's not something I ever experienced. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, what was what was your mindset going into recruitment, and how did you handle that? Because from my understanding, it's a very stressful, kind of high high pressure realm. Yeah, um, I guess the best place to start with that is my fall of seventh grade. Um, so that's the first year I started playing club lacrosse, yeah. and it's, it's hard to explain to people that haven't been exposed to lacrosse recruiting, but like I had kids on my team that were already committed to D1 schools by, you know, the time they're entering eighth grade. So it's just madness. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it, it was chaos. Um, and it's a very high pressure environment from a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I joined uh, the 3D New England team, uh, which was just a very small program when I joined. Um, not knowing what I was getting myself into really, but my recruiting in the beginning, like was pretty disheartening. Um, I had a lot of teammates who were getting all these D one offers, accepting them. Um, and then there was, you know, a handful of us that were kind of more just bench players and kind of filling guys if we needed people for tournaments, um, that weren't, you know, getting talked to as much. Um, and so, yeah, throughout, you know, my eighth grade freshman year it was it was tough like going to all these tournaments and seeing everyone else get all the attention um and but i think that comes from just my lack of 
experience at the time Mm -hmm. in which I mentioned, you know, sophomore year, I got a lot more of that. And just that summer, things completely changed. Um, That's also when D3 recruiting really starts picking up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, that that kind of ended up being the goal I wanted to or the the type of school that I wanted to look at um, just because I was looking at these kids that were committing their entire lives to lacrosse at, yeah. you know, 12, 13 years old. And I was like, I had to do some self-reflecting and see if I really wanted to do that, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I decided that it wasn't yeah. for me. Um, <laughs> Fair. And, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, again, went through this whole process of what do I value in a school? What do I love so much about St. George's? Um, and that was just the whole package, yeah. but, um, you know, athletics, academics, community, um, ability to be your own person. So that's what I started looking at at colleges. Mm -hmm. And so my sophomore year, when I was starting to come into my own as a lacrosse player, uh, I had the opportunity to look at NESCAC schools like Bowdoin, Middlebury, Hamilton, Colby, you know, a a wide variety of NESCACs. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah. And so I decided that that was kind of the path I wanted Mm -hmm. to go on. Um, and it was funny enough also about that time that I started getting contacted by D one schools, um, schools like Richmond and air force, uh, started seeing that I was growing as a player and we're like, Oh, Mm -hmm. that'd be, you know, we'd like to explore this. Yeah. But I also went through a similar process with them, Mm -hmm. uh, that I went through with Deerfield, which was if they offered me a spot, it was, you have to go do a repeat year somewhere. Yeah. And again, I was just like, that's not something I'm really looking to do. You know, I want to uh, continue on the path that I've already laid out for mm-hmm. myself. Um, and so that really led me to focus in on the D3 schools and the NESCAC schools, especially. Yeah. So that's really interesting to me that it, you had this first formative experience with Deerfield. You get mm-hmm. this feeling that this isn't what I want. And I think it's interesting that you're I think a lot of high schoolers coming into it say, "Oh my god, I'm going to I could play D1." And you don't necessarily think about the kind of holistic impact um that that takes in. So that's a big choice to think yeah. about. Yeah, it is. And you know, it's tough at a young age to know exactly what you want, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so I know for a lot of guys that were going through the process, some guys that had been talking to, you know, Ivy League schools, uh, like our freshman and sophomore year, ended up by the time they were juniors being like, wait, this isn't exactly what I wanted. Like, you know, I want something other than lacrosse in my college experience. Um, And so they actually ended up coming to NESCAC schools and other D3 schools. And, you know, I think they're much happier for it Mm -hmm. as far as I understand from, yeah. Yeah. The small liberal arts experience. I mean, I'm a huge believer in Middlebury through and through. (laughs) But (laughs) I think the NESCAC choice is a a very specific one to Mm -hmm. get into because you are you're committing to a place where all over, whether it's in sports, academics, social life, there is a rigor and kind of an intensity. People are really intense (laughs) at NESCAC schools. Um, Yes, that is for sure. So was that? It sounds to me like that was something you were really drawn to. Yes. Um, I've always been a competitive person. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I wanted a challenge and to put myself in a position where I wasn't going to be, you know, just coasting along throughout my college experience, um, whether that was athletically, academically. And so the NESCAC definitely offered that. And, you know, starting day one, St. George's definitely prepared me for the academic rigor that I was going to be faced yeah. with. But at the same time, it was still a, wow, okay, we're not in high school <laughs> class anymore. This is, uh, this is another level. Like, <laughs> yes. Um, yes. so yeah, there's in, in speaking to that competitive nature, I think that, um, flows through all NESCAC students, mm-hmm. um, you know, that desire to push oneself against one's classmates and to see like, how, not necessarily that you're competing and wanting the other one to fail, but just how that group can kind of grow together and compete yeah. against one another to better the other people, um, in, you know, speaking for my lacrosse team at Bowdoin, like that is very evident, like for mm-hmm. a running challenge that we're doing right now. Um, you know, everyone's like, you see one guy put up three miles, you know, 30 minutes later, there's a guy who's like four miles. And then there's another guy 30 minutes later, he's five miles. Like, you know, everyone's competing against one another. And it's, it's not a, a toxic environment at all. It's a very healthy competitive mm-hmm. environment. Um, and so, you know, whether it's, academics, athletics, you know, I think that's what draws people to want to come to an SCAC too. Yeah. Yeah. Then you land at Bowdoin and you have this, uh, I, I remember in my freshman seminar at Middlebury writing my first paper and I'd always fancied myself a great writer. And I remember getting the feedback from my first <laughs> professor. It's funny how they do that, isn't it? <laughs> so, and she's wonderful, Michelle McCauley. Yeah. If for some reason you're listening, Michelle, I love you. Um, she, <laughs> she was a great professor. And I still remember just being like, oh, my God. And they, they really just they tear you apart lovingly, and then they build yeah. you back up. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the point you said there like about lovingly is, is key. You know, I've never had an interaction with a Bowdoin professor where they just tore me apart mm. of something I did and then just kind of left me. Yeah. They were like, yeah, this, this, this sucked, like, but too bad. You know, if, if, they're, if they're critical of your work, it's always in a way that they want to help you. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to make you a better writer, a better scientist, whatever it might be. They're looking to help you improve. They're not just you know, critiquing you to critique you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, was really nice because I felt that at St. George's and to get that again at Bowdoin was, was really, really lovely. Yeah. It leads to a lot of potential for academic growth instead of shutting off. So following that academic growth line, mm-hmm. what do you study at Bowdoin? So I'm a double major in economics and earth and oceanography science. Um, so very different disciplines, mm-hmm. um, but you know I fall I fell in love with both of them my senior year at St. George's actually, um, and I took AP Economics with uh, Mr. Roser, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I took AP Environmental Science with Doc Matt. And you know Economics was something uh, I'd kind of been drawn to uh, a little bit, and you know I kind of felt like I might focus on that going to college mm-hmm. even before I took AP Econ. But AP Environmental Science was, you know, this entire area that was foreign to me. I never really considered looking at it or anything like that. But 
it fit my schedule my senior year. It was an AP class. I was like, yeah, why not? Let's give it a shot. Like, um, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. I found Doc Matt's class just really engaging, uh, the material really interesting. And so going into Bowdoin, my freshman spring, I took a course called Oceanography. And from then on, I was like, I'm doing this major. Mm. Like, it, it was it was just a clear path. I was like, I want to study this stuff. It's really cool to me. Um, and so without that exposure my senior year, I don't think I ever would have taken that class my freshman spring. Yeah. And yeah, so I was really lucky that I happened to have space in my schedule yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah. It is so curious how that happens. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I mean, I had a... I was a film and English major when I was at Middlebury. and had an yep. independent study with a teacher um, who is now a dear friend of mine my senior year of high school. And we did it, a film analysis, year-long independent study. And that was like solidifying. Yep. I was like, oh, I'm going to study film. Yep. I didn't know you could do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then you see something, you go, okay, that's a major. Yeah. So I'm glad you found your oceanography because, once again, you can take – the boy away from the ocean, but you can't take the ocean <laughs> out of the boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's interesting, though. You know, as much as I fell in love with, you know, the environmental science realm, um, it wasn't actually the first path I saw myself going down. Um, when I first got the boat in my freshman fall, I really thought computer science, you mm. know, was going to be something that I wanted to do. Um, and actually to the point where like I was already talking to computer science majors like, oh, how should I plan out my four years here? Um, and I took one class and just it didn't really click. It wasn't something that piqued my interest as much. Um, and so I had to go back and, you know, reevaluate the majors I want to consider. And luckily I found the EOS major and mm-hmm. the econ major. And since I already knew I had some since I already knew I enjoyed those that felt more comfortable and yeah. you know i got to explore those but it's not always just this black and white path it's you know you got to do some exploring and i didn't take a single class in the same discipline my entire freshman year that's awesome. i really i really try yeah and luckily Bowdoin allows you to yeah. do that and i'm sure middlebury did it yes. as well but yeah. yeah and it was just really fortunate that i was able to do that because i spread myself out, got, you know, a toe into a lot of different things and got to see what I was really interested in. Mm-hmm. And it came back to econ and earth and oceanography science and been with it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that with a double major, you're spending a lot of time with that coursework. I am. <laughs> and then while playing <laughs> lacrosse, how, how does that balance work for you? It's busy. Um, it's, it's definitely busy, but you know, you do have more free time than you, than I did at St. George's. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it is manageable. You have to be good about time management, which I think, I think students learn at St. George's, at least I thought, I thought I did. Mm -hmm. And you have to be, you know, it's, it's one of those things you might have a class from eight 30 to 10, 15 in the morning, and you don't have another till one 30, but it's, you can't just go and relax for those hours in between, you know, that's the time where you have to go do your team lift or go do a film study. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's manageable. It's, it's busy. Like you have to plan everything out. 
Um, but it's not as structured as like a St. George's day would be yeah. where you have your classes and then your practice mm-hmm. and then dinner and then study hall. Um, you kind of have to be more flexible with your schedule. Um, and so it doesn't leave a ton of time for things outside of those two, especially with a double major, but it's still possible. It definitely is still possible. Yeah. Have you yeah. found anything that you've connected with outside of that, even in a small ways? Yeah. Um, most of the things I've connected with outside of you know my major um, have been still in the athletic realm. Um, you know, I am, a, or I was a part of my sophomore year, um, a part of the BSAC group, the Bowdoin Student Athletic Advisory um, Committee. And so, you know, we met once a week and talked about changes coming to the NCAA. Um, specifically, one we talked about a lot was the change for D3 coaches being able to post things about incoming student athletes um, on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like a big topic that I discussed um, last year. Um, and so, you know, I, I really would say that my focuses, uh, have primarily still been in the athletic and academic, um, areas just because, you know, if, if I'm doing something, I want to give a hundred percent to it. And, you know, I would have loved to continue to be an RA, um, you know, continue that prefect, uh, like experience in college. But if I can't devote my time to it and give it the the time it needs you know i felt like i was just going to be cheating other people out of um a good ra or a good advice yeah and so you know it's not to say you can't do it like i have friends that do it um that play sports um and have challenging majors at Bowdoin, also are ras or mm-hmm. there, there's it's not that you're limited just by playing a sport in college um but you know you do have to pick the things you really want to focus on um so that you can excel in them yeah and to, i mean yeah. to use your own words from earlier, right? The, you have to find your own path through it all. Yeah. Which sounds cliche in some ways, but at the same time, it's what you have to do. There's no way yeah. around it. And finding the balance between what is most important to you and what maybe still is a part of you, but isn't going to be, this is the thing I do. Yeah. That we talk a lot about the majors that you do and the degree you get from college, but that learning curve of growing up is to I think reductionist, but yep. the idea of <laughs> you are discovering so much mm-hmm. about how you're going to balance yourself. Yeah, it's definitely um, it's a process. Yes, it's a journey. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a process, truly. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of living through a process, and maybe this is a good way to wrap up. Um, we are living through quite the process of transition right mm-hmm. now um we are. how are you staying sane in lockdown that that's the question everyone's yeah. asking isn't if it? you are that's also <laughs> that's the option yeah. no it's 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 been obviously difficult i don't think anyone would call this situation easy mm-hmm. um but a few things that i've found really helpful is kind of scheduling my days out mm-hmm. um you know trying to stick to a routine that i would similarly have during a regular school year. Um, so, you know, I still had my online classes um, that I went to and, you know, in between those, I wasn't just goofing off or, you know, doing whatever you could try and focus on getting your work done, staying ahead. Um, and I felt that was actually really helpful in staying sane. 
um, keeping yourself motivated. Um, and also, you know, I'm really lucky that I have my lacrosse team at Bowdoin. Yeah. Um, they've been a huge help. We do like weekly meetings with random groups of guys. We do our running challenge. Um, you know, our coach checks in at least once a week, um, in like small groups, like two, three guys. So it's been really helpful to, you know, still see their faces and acknowledge to each other that, yeah, this is difficult. And, you know, it's not a comfortable environment we're in right now. And there's a lot of emotions flying around, but rather than just kind of putting those to the side, it's helpful to talk about them. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and I found, you know, by doing that, we've actually become a better team. You know, we focused on like how much we're missing being together right now, mm. how much we're missing the season. Mm. Um, and that's been really um, therapeutic in this environment. Yeah. And just yeah. the ability to sustain connection is so important. I, I mm-hmm. never realized how much I miss just like sitting in a coffee shop surrounded by random people. It's <laughs> just like the, the right, presence. Right? <laughs> so, you know, within it's, that, yeah. holding on to what you can, and it just sounds like that lacrosse team is such an important part of your life right now that I'm it's, I'm very happy to hear that you've all been able to sustain that. And yeah, it's, you know, again, to lean on a different cliche, distance makes the heart grow fonder. And I guess in, in this moment, we are, we're all learning what that means. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I think that's, it's very true. Yeah. Well, my, my final question for you, and it's one I've been asking everyone I interview, if you were going to give a piece of advice, whether it was to you thinking of you as a younger self or just as a new St. George's student, what would you offer? If I had one piece of advice to give, I would say stay positive got to stay positive you're going to go through a lot of ups and downs um, throughout your high school experience or even before um, and then continuing on into your college experience nothing's ever going to be constant or normal Um, you're always going to have to adapt and that's that's difficult but as long as you remain positive and can you know make the best out of the situation that you're given I think you're going to be okay. <laughs> I think um, you can overcome anything that's thrown your way if you keep that mindset. Mm-hmm. And you know, like for me, especially when I was going through my recruiting process, there was there were times that it was really difficult to stay positive. You know, you're seeing all your friends getting these college offers, and you're like, "Wow, that's great!" But you know, inside you're a little like, "I kind of wish I had more yeah, thrown my yes. way here." And 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 so you know, as long as you you know you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and say, "All right." Like, I just got to keep working, stay positive, and it'll pay off. Mm-hmm. And it, it does. It does. You know, it might not always be the same payoff that you're originally going in looking for, but there's always a payoff at the end yeah. that I think satisfying. Yeah. So stay positive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sage words from somebody who has, has made it through. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I had a great time. I hope you enjoyed chatting. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure. That's a wrap on my conversation with Henry. I'll be back again next week when I interview Beth Larkham. It'll be slightly different because Beth wasn't primarily a spring athlete here at SG or during her college years, but so many folks told me I should interview her that I thought we could make an exception. 
As always, this episode was recorded, mixed, and edited by yours truly with theme music by Danny Zadie. If you like what you hear, make sure to follow and review us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you're listening. Stay safe and talk soon. Mm-hmm.